0: Welcome to OCD Whisperer podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we talk about all things OCD. If you're looking for help, download my free OCD Survival Kit. It's packed with resources and bonus worksheets to support you on your journey. Go to www.coreresults.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today with me, I have an incredible guest, Dr. Reed Wilson. He is a clinical psychologist in Chapel Hill. He has spent 40 years in the field of self-help for anxiety disorders and OCD. In 1991, he co-authored with Dr. Edna Foa the first ever self-help book on exposure and response prevention, Stop Obsessing. He directs the free self-help site, Anxieties.com, and he is the founding clinical fellow of the Anxiety and Depression Association of America and fellow of the Association for Behavior and Cognitive Therapies. In 2014, he received the ADA's highest service award and received the 2019 service award by the International OCD Foundation. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Christina. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. I've been actually dying to have you um, on the show because you've first of all done so many different things. And I just want to say, I did not know that you co-founded the ADAA, which I just went to this year for my first time. So this is pretty special, but you also offer a lot to the community. And I know you have a self-help program, the six minute, excuse me, the six moment game. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. I know that part of that program a core principle you have is to empower folks to turn their backs on their obsessive themes and treat them as insignificant and of course a lot of people with OCD kind of struggle with that concept so yeah i'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about that
1: sure and uh, you know that's the first thing that we really have to accomplish because as you know if i if i think my theme is important then i'm going to stay focused on my theme, try to do the therapy, try to do the treatment, try to do the exposure, but at the same time, kind of holding still in the front of my mind that something bad would happen around my theme itself. And what we should know is that your themes are irrelevant to the treatment. It, Of course, they're relevant to each of us, because that's how, if we personify the disorder, that's how it picks that theme, because it will work. It, it doesn't get attached to anything that you don't get scared about. So, So the, really, that's the number one task that I want people to work on. And, you know, how do you figure that out? I talk a lot around signal versus noise. And what people do at the beginning is to go, well this is a signal. I do have to solve this problem. And then they get stuck. So if we're going to do the treatment of OCD, let's start out on signal versus noise. And To what degree do you believe the content of your obsession is relevant? And to the degree that you think that, we've got to resolve that so that you can begin the work with the disorder. Because- what you said is is true, which is I want to, in those moments, we think a little bit about the six-moment game. And I, I call it that because the six moments are a manifestation of what we've learned. So we learn about principles. We understand that we're playing a mental game against this really very powerful disorder. And when we you know, kind of learn those principles, we want to bring them down into the moment. Because I think if we can stay in the present moment and handle the present moment, you know, moment by moment, we have a much better chance of winning when we think about self-help. It's a little different when you're in treatment with a, a therapist, perhaps. But can I tell you what those six moments are? Yes, but, that would yeah, be amazing. But, so what I say is the first three moments are none of our business because that's controlled by the disorder. So for some people, moment one is is just walking into an arena where I've had trouble in the past or having a, a memory pop up in my mind spontaneously or hearing certain word on TV when we're listening. And all of a sudden our unconscious remembers that that's associated that that's a reasonable facsimile of this trauma around the obsession and, and that worry. And so we may just notice, let's so say I'm walking from the kitchen through to the, to the bedroom. I'm not thinking about anything around cleaning the food before I cook it for my family, but simply walking through it, my unconscious goes, hey, this is a threatening place. So we might just all of a sudden start to feel that arousal. Moment two is what everybody feels. Moment one, not, not everybody goes through that. Moment two is, is the obsession popping up. And moment three is, oh my God, there it is. What am I going to do? I got to solve this. I got to solve it right now. This is a crisis, catastrophic outcomes, immediate. I got to do something. Those are the three moments that are owned by the disorder. Where we want to start is moment four, which is is really a kind of mindful, awareness of the moment. And all all we're doing now is stepping back for a moment and going, oh, it's happening. Oh, there's my urge. Oh, there's my obsession. You know, as people get good at it, you don't even have to say anything mentally, subvocalize necessarily, but that is the first step. You can't change anything that you're not aware of. So you have to get present to this is going on. Now, my book, as far as I'm concerned, is if you can just do that, oh, it's happening and you can't do anything else, you start worrying again, whatever, you still won that moment because you created this little space between you and the obsession. Moment five is what you and I've chatted a little bit previously, which is moment five is deciding I'm turning my back on the disorder. I'm turning my back on my theme of the disorder. So if it's about contamination, if it's about scrupulosity, if it's about harm and so forth, I have already previously decided that's what I wanna do. And now in the moment, I wanna just operate out of those rules. And so I'm gonna turn my back on it, not paying attention to it, moving on, Moment six is I'm going to get engaged in anything else, anything else mentally and or physically that I can draw my attention to. And to me, it doesn't matter what you pay attention to, just you elevate its importance over your obsession. And... Then you've won. So you can win moment four, you can win moment four and five. And, and ideally, we want to get to the place where you win moment four, five, and six, where you've turned your back on the your theme, you you engage in something else, you invest in something else. And that's that process that we're trying to go through. And then you win that. Now, eight seconds later, your obsession can pop up again. Eight seconds later, your urge to do your compulsion pops up again. How I want us to think about it is brand new game. That game's over. I won that one. I got to this spot. Boom, up comes another one. And then let's go at it again. And in the same way, because it's so easy to all of a sudden have that obsession pop up and go, God, it's not working. Oh, no, it's back. So frustrated. And then the disorder loves that because it's got our attention again. So that's that process of the six moment game.
0: You know, when I'm listening to you, I think part of what I'm hearing, and please clarify for me, it's that also sounds like, you know, a person with OCD has to have kind of a good grasp and understanding of what OCD really is, kind of how it works, right? Because I think a lot of folks, at least from from not even just clinical, but even just conversations, people kind of go through the education part and go, yeah, yeah, okay. And then but what about this this thing that's really bothering me and then keep getting wrapped up in that thing or, oh my gosh, now there's this new thing. I don't know, is it OCD? Maybe it's not OCD. And then they get wrapped up in that next thing versus what I'm really hearing you say is, well, wait a second, if you actually step back and more globally understand how, how this thing called OCD works, period, what is an intrusion? What is this thing called a compulsion, this sense of urgency to want to neutralize and make it all go away and feel better? that then anything that kind of comes in, you can start to recognize that familiar pattern or familiar feeling, so you can then respond to it in that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that was how I started here. I was saying, well, let me, I'll tell you about the six moment game, but that's a manifestation of what we've already looked at, which is in many ways, it's a metacognitive approach to begin with, which is I need to get another perspective that this is, as you're saying, this is the disorder, it's looking for something that will get me, it really, the disorder doesn't care about the topic that you get hooked on, it just wants your attention, and it wants you to operate usually pretty urgently, it's like, like not only is this important, but it must be solved at this moment. So you start to get the qualities of what it's like to have an obsession, the qualities of what it's like to to have that urge to do the ritual, the satisfaction, so to speak, that comes when you do your ritual. It's like the obsession and the ritual are successful as well as a failure. Because if I can do the proper compulsion, I've now bought some time you know, I'm taking care of things or whatever, and that just sucks us back into that pattern. And we have to go after it. And one of the questions people, especially my colleagues, ask me, it's like, wait, this sounds like distraction. You know, you're going to notice the moment and turn your attention away from that and just engage in something else. You're not doing the work, and I—that's not how I see it. If we can get away from the th- theme, away from the topic. So the, let's say the question pops up and I turn my back on the question and don't answer it and keep going forward to something else. In my mind, that is pure exposure because the work of the disorder is to create uncertainty. It keeps you hooked by having you think it's uncertainty about the door or my tendency to harm someone or whatever. And if we can go, it's not about that. It's about uncertainty. And then I move on. I don't move on like, wow, when that one, I feel great. No, I move on. By now, I'm really engaging the disorder, which is I'm feeling that distressing uncertainty and doubt. The only thing I want to work on at that point with them is that they don't hook in that prepositional phrase. It's not about the door being locked, about I left the stove on, about I could harm someone. It's not any of those. So I just want to get people good at going. All I need to do right now is keep moving forward and sitting with this, an awful feeling and I have you know there's really two risks I guess we would say one of them is oh I could be wrong I could be wrong this really is important right so we have to operate as though the worry is nothing yet mentally not being sure and now you know now we're in it and the second risk is I think is, if we move on like that, we're going to be somewhat distracted in doing whatever that next task is. So if I've walked down the sidewalk after checking my door three times instead of 15 to do a practice, I'm going to be distracted while I'm walking down the sidewalk, getting in my car, I'm going to drive to work distracted. When I'm working, you know, 30% of me still going, you know, what have I done? Right? So there is a, A price we have to pay. Everybody has to pay a price to do the work. It's a different price than to stay caught up in the disorder. But if you can pay that price and be willing to, you know, a lot of what I pay attention to is I want this feeling. I want this uncertainty. I want the distress. And that sounds like kooky to (laughs) to say that. But you have to go toward these feelings in order to get stronger, if you have to go toward it, then if you can go, if that's what I have to do, that's what I want to do. And what that does, and it's kind of magical if you can do it, which is you're working on dropping your resistance. Because most of this work is about that, resisting, trying to fix everything. And if you can just work in that way of you know, it's different, you know, if you think about, oh God, I got to clean the house before my neighbors, my friends come over for dinner. Uh, You know, if you just reframe that to go, no, I want, want to clean the house because my partner's asked me to, and they're preparing the meal. And I want the house to look nice when they show up. So I'm going to go do that. I mean, it takes effort, but, but I want to get it done. That's a different kind of energy. That's more energy then, you know, my therapist tells me I've got to go, you know, do this practice. So, okay, right. There's the resistance. There's no ownership when you do it that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Also kind of something I want to throw in there and kind of ask you, because I know that you've, you know, done lots of different treatment approaches. And I know this, the six moment game really is a self-help, program in the kind of all the steps of all the different kind of treatment that somebody could get. So if anybody listening, for example, how would they know like that, that this would be the thing for me to do versus, let's say, trying to find a specialist, which depending on where you live, of course, these days can be something people can afford, or maybe they can't, or maybe they can't even find one. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Well, I think self-help goes through the entire treatment process. That's why I call it self-help treatment is that that's really I talk about a stepped care process which is you know the initial thing that people do with any condition physical or emotional is that first step is let me learn as much as i can let me understand let me metabolize let me let me get it with that kind of understanding so when i step into the doctor's office or i step into the work with my my therapist i am more a collaborator in the process. So I think, you know, in step care, what we think about certain percentage of people can just do self-help and be okay, because their intensity isn't that bad. And if it is tougher, then I can carry that protocol, I can carry that frame of reference about how you get stronger into treatment with someone. And then I am more of a willing partner in the exposure work because I get it and I want to do it hard as it is. And I want you as my therapist to help coach me through that. And so if we can get that going, so that's why I think there's no loss in learning as much as you can about a protocol I would say this is really a different protocol than exposure and response prevention as it's traditionally done. It's definitely exposure, it's definitely response prevention. But I think that big piece around getting off the theme, you know, instead of going, well, maybe I locked the door, maybe I didn't, I can handle uncertainty. When we start escalating that and going, well, maybe I just hit somebody. When I was driving, knock them into the high grass, they'll be dead by morning. It'll be my fault. Maybe I didn't. I can handle uncertainty. That begins to sound kind of loopy. Why would I ever try to say that to myself? So it's just a different way to work, but it's but it's all exposure, and it's all response pre- prevention in the end. So learn as much as you can. There's not a lot of confusing, messages out in the world of of this treatment. There's some little nuances that are here and there that are different. And then if you need to be in treatment, then you just kind of negotiate that whole thing with your therapist. You know, you say, well, this is what I learned. And they'll go, well, that's interesting. That's not how I do it. Let's see if we can come together and work on it, keeping the best of both our worlds.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I have one more question I want to ask you, and we've kind of talked a little bit about it, but I kind of want to go right into it a a bit more, which is, I know in your approach, you talk about getting off the specific, like we need some specificity, but really getting off of that and going up to handle the generic nature of OCD. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that and kind of what that means for anybody listening?
1: Yeah, sure. And Well, again, in the long run, the specific, you have to get off of the specific in order to do the work. On the other hand, you have to go toward the specific. You can't, because lots of people use avoidance as one of the ways to cope with the distress of the disorder, and makes totally good sense to do that. But if you're going after the disorder, you want to start looking around. You know how I think about it, it's like, what can I do today to provoke some degree of, un, of distressing uncertainty about my theme? So I, I've got to go in and instead of washing my hands every time I take a plate out or a, a spoon out or pour the milk, I'm going to only wash my hands three times while I prepare breakfast for the kids. So that means I am going. Forward and challenging my routine in order to provoke my fear. So that's what has to happen. And then we go to the generic at that point. So you've got to go after. And that's that tricky thing around, okay, here I am having this feeling. That's why, in part, I, I say, you know, make the rules before you walk into the scene. Decide logically when you've got your intellect there you're not being contaminated by the influence of the disorder perhaps you're sitting with your therapist or a friend who's helping you and you kind of map out you know he, okay here's what I'm going to do it's going to be threatening when i get to this spot instead of turning and washing my hands i'm going to just plow through and wait and and do it when i said i was and I, you know i'm going to things are going to come at me and i'm going to be I do the best I can to handle those themes as they come at me. Then, when you walk into those scene, you know, especially, I try to say to people, you know, if you are actually doing a structured practice, you already know you're about to go into that environment. Just, you know, stop a couple minutes before you step into the scene and remind yourself of your intention. Because once you get in there, you know, you've got that. It's like the Wizard of Oz there talking to you, saying. What are you doing? They don't really know what's truly, it's not their life. You know, it's not their family. And so all that intensity is there. You want to make those rules, lock them down the best you can. And then when you get in the scene, don't analyze what's happening. That's the last thing you want to do. Just go according to the plan. Hard as heck. Difficult. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. you know, of course, anybody listening, it's like, like all this stuff, right? Like you hear and you go, okay, yes. And then I think there's just, we can't ignore just human nature, right? For some people, just like you said, maybe it's not as intense or the support they have or their personality or whatever it is. And they just kind of go. And then for some folks, they hear this and they're like, oh, I really want to. But I do find sometimes people just get stuck in their head. But I, I love that you said that. Part of it is really understanding the disorder. And then also in understanding it, like, yeah, instead of arguing, create your rules, create your game plan, just like any game, if you watch, right. And then you you follow the plan, regardless Mm -hmm. of what pops up during the game or whoever's doing what you follow the the strategy that you have. And it sounds like with that process too, you get to learn, right. You get to get better over time and, and things start to kind of cool down.
1: Yeah and you know this is like a crisis moment so if you can lock down the rules and then follow them because you don't the mind the brain works best when the conscious mind is out of the way we so if we can just go I'm following the plan and I know it well enough you got to learn you know you got to learn it well enough so in the moment you can follow it and just stay with it and what I say often is you need to act as though this is OK for me to do, because that's exactly what comes in in the moment. I am I need to be saying I'm going to I'm going to operate as though everything is OK. I'm going to act as though everything is OK, because once you get into the scene, that doubt is right there and questioning it. And that's why I'm trying to say you got to get that therapeutic voice. You can't have your therapeutic voice and your the voice of the victim of the disorder. They can't be on the same plane. Because then people just argue with themselves. And OCD loves that too, because then you stay in the middle. So it loves that. So you've got to find a way to elevate that therapeutic side of you. And and that's, that's when support people and therapists are very helpful is to keep working with you to try to get that going. Because you can have this voice that's victimized by the disorder. It can still run in the back of your mind and the, you know, come to the back burner. And that's okay, just as long as you're leading with your, your therapeutic voice. And it's very difficult to do this work, but it's not complicated. That's part of what I'm trying, you know, we, we don't, we don't have room mentally to have a complicated process to do. It, it just can't. So it, the process needs to be simple. And I think the process is simple and really hard. And, you know, if this doesn't make sense to people, there's lots of people out there who have workbooks and so forth that help people understand different angles. There are people who Specialize in harm OCD and scrupulosity and all that kind of stuff, you can study to the degree you need to. And if you do, they will also help you go. I think the topic is not relevant. If you think about people who are doing better, people who are strong, what happens? Well, the obsession of, you know, that even if they're strong in a specific theme, the obsession pops up. And they go, not going there. I know what that is. And they keep moving. Happens many times during the day. So if you really look at strong people, those who have done the work and gotten to where they need to get to, at least with some themes, and that really, for most people, you know, you. Yeah, it started when I was eight years old and it was this. And then when I got 12, it was that theme. And then when I was 18, it shifted over there. But if you go back and look at the ones that aren't bothering you anymore, if that obsession pops up momentarily, you can release it just as quickly. So if we take that as a model, let's get the end game up front. The obsession pops up. I go, nope, not going that there. And I turn my attention elsewhere.
0: I love that. You know, I want to just thank you for your time, for your wisdom, everything you've you've given to the community. And for anybody that's listening today, if they would like to find you, how can they find you?
1: I would hop on my website, which is anxieties.com, plural. And it's got, it's primarily a, a free self-help site. So there's just tons, tons and tons of pages on all the anxiety disorders and OCD. It's got probably 35 little video clips under 5 minutes that just teach certain concepts or show me working with some clients i've got some longer videos that are also free is one called stopping the noise in your head and it introduces a character susan and and anxiety who is another character and they they just go through about five different scenes 5 minutes each so, so there's a lot there's a lot of rich things in my opinion there so that's the best way to go
0: Yeah, I will definitely second that. And if people who are listening and they're like, well, wait a minute, but where do I get the six moment game? Is that on that website?
1: Yeah, it'll be on the on the top. You'll see it'll say self-help courses, online self-help courses. I have one for the anxiety disorders and I have this one for OCD. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Wilson. Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want to take your recovery journey to the next level, our online class, The OCD-Free ERP Mindset, may be the right thing for you. It features video lessons, journal prompts, and worksheets designed to help you break the OCD cycle. Access it now and start thriving today at www.coreresults.com forward slash e-learning. All links are in the show notes.